Good morning, Calvary. It's great to see you all today. You can talk back to me. Say good morning back. <laughs> it's great to see you. Yeah, I heard that. Good morning, Marcus. I heard that. It's great to see you this morning. My name is Pastor Marcus. I'm the youth pastor here at Calvary. And I just want to send a quick greeting to you all from our pastors that are in the Philippines this week today. Uh, they finished, they completed the first uh, um, conference that they were doing uh, this past week and it went well. They had over 140, 150 pastors and church leaders. Um, they've been investing and pouring into this area of the Philippines for about five years now. This is the fifth year and kind of a completion of um, a five-year uh, conference and training that they've been doing over there. And it's just incredible to see uh, God working there. And I just want to just say this to you. I just have to say this. I have to take this moment to just say that I'm so thankful that Calvary is a church that uh, makes sure that their pastors are fulfilling the Great Commission, not just here locally, but around the world. I know sometimes it's hard to be without your pastor for a week or two. You know, pastors, if anyone in America is always in church on a Sunday morning, it's the pastor, right? And so it's great that Calvary just sees that the part of our mission statement that says that we make disciple makers for the glory of God. And then that last part, you can help me out, among the nations. And sometimes that means uh, directly being there or through um, commissioning and sending others to be there. So I'm grateful that our pastors get to be there and you'll uh, get to see them back here very soon. God's doing something incredible over there and Calvary gets to be a part of that. Okay, so last week we started a sermon series in the life of David, about the life of David. Uh, David, a, a life that is shaped by God. And Pastor Rolando last week brought us a sermon. It was from 1 Samuel chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles, you uh, can turn with me to 1 Samuel 16 because that's where we're going to continue today, verses 14 to 23, and just kind of hold your place there, and we'll get into that together in a little bit. But just in case you were out last week or missed last week or just maybe aren't familiar with the story, you know, last week, uh, Pastor Rolando brought us the message, and in the, in the sermon last week, we talked about how Saul was this first king, the first king of the Israelites, and that God had rejected Saul as the king. That's a very important thing to continue to see here in the life of David, that Saul had God had rejected Saul as the king. In fact, when, when God rejected Saul as the king, the prophet Samuel, very sad, very sad that God had rejected Saul as the king, goes to the king, Saul, and Samuel says to him, because you, Saul, have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. And we see that Saul was regretful and, and just kind of torn apart, apart that Samuel has brought him news that, that God is going to remove him from being the king and tear the kingdom away from, from Saul. And you see, God then, we saw last week, chooses who he will make the next king. We know that it is going to be this uh, man named David, that King David will be the one to rise to be the next king. Last week, Pastor Orlando specifically talked about how uh, Samuel was sent by God to the house of Jesse, and Jesse had all these sons. And as each son passed before Samuel the prophet, God said, no, not that one, no, not that one, no, not that one, until all the sons had passed by Jesse, I'm sorry, by uh, Samuel the prophet, and Samuel's thinking, this one is oldest, he's mature, this one's strongest, this one's the bravest, and God, what are you doing? Which And so Samuel says, do you have any more sons? And, and Jesse says, in matter of fact, I do. And we think that this other son may have been anywhere between the ages of 10 and 17 years old. We don't exactly know, but we know he was young because he wasn't invited to the party. He wasn't invited to the table. All the brothers said, hey, the, the prophet Samuel, 
is in town. He's at our house and that's a big deal when the prophet shows up. So you watch the sheep and we're going to see the prophet with our dad. And so Jesse says, yes, he's in the sheep. And, and, and Samuel says, well, we ain't getting started until you get him out here. So call him over. So he calls him over and the prophet Samuel says, he's the one. And I love this verse, a verse that I like to talk about a lot with young people. God says to Samuel, God says to Samuel, I, the Lord, do not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. Man looks at the outside. But I, the Lord, look at the heart. And this is the one. And so Samuel uh, anoints David to be the next king. And then he leaves. And then we need to know that there is a long period of kind of preparation that is going to occur before David actually becomes the king. He's not going to be a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old king, that there is a long season that is going to pass. But before we jump into today's passage, I want us to make sure that we look again at 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. It's a verse that, that is a very critical verse going forward in the life of David. It says this, it says that, and the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, rushed upon David from that day forward. So Samuel, the prophet, anoints him and the spirit of the Lord comes upon David from that day forward. And I want us to keep this verse in mind today um, because all that is going to happen in the next part of the story and in the next season of David's life all rests and hinges upon this very verse that says that the spirit of the Lord is now with David. And just so that we can kind of engage in this passage together and really kind of place ourselves in this story, I want to ask us a question too to just kind of bear in mind as we walk through this story together. And the question is this, is how has the Holy Spirit made a difference in your life? How has the Holy Spirit been at work in your life? Because you see, we as believers, as disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ, know that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us and with us and the question for you to just kind of consider this morning is how has the Holy Spirit made a difference in your life? Well, let's jump into the passage today. We know that God works to accomplish his will and that he's rejected Saul and he's chosen David to be the next king. So let's read together, starting with verse 14, 1 Samuel 16. It'll be on the screen if you need it. This is what it says. It says, now the spirit of the Lord, it says the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. I'm sorry, I'm looking for it here in my Bible. So. The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servants said to him, behold now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful, who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon him, he will play it and you will be well, today we're going to look at God's short-term plan, kind of like the ground level of what God is doing at this season of David's life and Saul's life for that matter. And then at the end of our time today, we're going to kind of take this 30,000 foot flyover of what God is doing in his story of redemption and how this passage really does also point us to Jesus and God's plan to redeem all of mankind. But here's what's happening on the ground level. We know that there is a decline and it's the decline of Saul as the king and the rise, the rise of David as the next king. And there are two tricky things here that I wanna deal with before we move into the life of David here. And I don't wanna spend a lot of time on them, but these two things here could be 
sermon series in themselves and people have written volumes on just this one verse. It's this verse, it's verse 14. It says, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. You know, at first glance, somebody may read this and say, well, what does this mean? Can the spirit of the Lord, can the Holy Spirit leave me? Can the Holy Spirit abandon me? The first thing I want to say is that, that Saul disobeyed God and was rejected as the king because he wanted freedom from God. And the spirit of the Lord that we know leaves Saul. Now what we need to know is that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people to empower them and equip them to do what God had called them to do. We see in scripture moments, occasions where the Holy Spirit came upon various people so that they could accomplish and do what God had called them to do. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord empowered them to do that. And then the Holy Spirit left them or was removed from them. This is pre, before the, de- the birth, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, his promise that the Holy Spirit would come and be with us forever, Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would come and dwell inside of the believers. In the Old Testament, as the Spirit of the Lord came upon various people to accomplish God's will and his purposes and his commands, his, his, uh, what he was wanting to accomplish, it was not directly tied to their salvation like it is for you and for me today. Very much was this empowering them to do what God had called them to do. You and I here, after Jesus' uh, death, burial, resurrection, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in believers, we can rest on this promise that Jesus himself says in John 14 when he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another, the helper, the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you forever. So this very much then for us, the indwelling that we have of the Holy Spirit is tied to our salvation. We are saved. We're followers of Jesus. We've surrendered our lives to him and the Holy Spirit then dwells in, in, uh, within us and does not leave us, does not forsake us, and God can never lose us from his hand as true believers. Now the second part of the verse, it says that the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And this is kind of a tricky verse for some people too. They may see this and, and, and I know that if you're using the NIV Bible, the KJV, that it says that an evil spirit from the Lord tormented Saul. And so some may, some may see that and say, well, what does this mean? Like, does God uh, have evil that he uses? Or what is this talking about here? What's happening here? And the first thing I want to kind of say is this, is that we need to remember that the Bible is not written in English. There wasn't an English writer that was saying an evil spirit was sent by God to torment him, that this was written in Hebrew. And there is kind of a linguistic challenge here because evil is a very broad word in the Hebrew. Okay, Uh, evil could mean harmful, it could mean destructive, it could mean bad. It isn't very clear that it was a demonic spirit necessarily. And one possible translation in the Hebrew could potentially be that the spirit of Yahweh, which brings forth disaster, in other words, an evil that could, the evil could refer to the effect of the spirit had on Saul. Now, what is happening? We know that he's being tormented by some, something, some type of spirit, okay? Now, the second thing that I think is even more crucial, critical to understand, to really get what's going on here is this, it's the why. Why is this happening to him, okay? So we know that this is happening to him because he, because Saul has rejected um, God, then he has this long history of willful disobedience. 
that he has rebelled against God, he's rejected God, and then God has removed his spirit from Saul, and this has created this vacuum in Saul's life. Now, whether the spirit is allowed by God to torment him or sent by God directly to torment him, we don't exactly know, and people have written so many volumes of this, allowed by God, sent by God, what's going on here? But this we do know, that Saul is under divine judgment from the Lord for rejecting the Lord. And that this is happening not because of God, but because of Saul and that he's rejected God himself. We know that from Saul's actions that he's turned inward and he's become moody and angry and jealous and anxious and full of fear and vindictive and sorrowful. And that this is what is happening in his life. And let me just say this before we move on to the life of David. It says, I just want to say this really quick, that um, in God, that, that God is not evil. And that there's a big difference when it says that the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and the harmful spirit from the Lord came upon him. It does not say that, a, that, the, spirit, that the evil spirit of the Lord was from God. It says it was from him. Now, let me just kind of say this as we move on. That God, we have to remember that God is sovereign over all. That he's sovereign over good. He's sovereign over evil. And that God can and will use anything in all situations to accomplish his purposes and his will. And his will is to move, his purposes, his will is to move David from the sheep pen to the palace. Okay, now let's keep looking at what's going on here on the ground level in the life of David. Verse 16 says, let our Lord now command your servant. This, these are the servants speaking to Saul. They've seen that he's losing his mind. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. That's a stringed instrument. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. And then Saul says, yes, find somebody, find somebody to do that. And so one of the young men answered and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing. He's a man of valor. He's a man of war. He's prudent in his speech and a man of good presence. And the Lord is with him. And so here, right here we see Saul being tormented and going through these occasions and events of just not knowing what's wrong with him, losing his mind. And he says, find me someone who can play, who can play this instrument, just as you say. And of course, it's to the benefit to the servants to find somebody who can help Saul. Because who does the king take things out on? His servants, those that are closest to him. And so they're saying, we've got to find somebody to help Saul. And this servant says, I know just the person. I remember this person, this man, and he's the son of Jesse. And he's a and it goes on to describe it, and he is skillful in playing this instrument, and he can come and play this instrument, this musical instrument, when, Saul, you aren't feeling back to your normal self again. So here's what I'd like to look at with us, for us today. I'd like to look at how God is forming, forming David to be this next king, and how the Holy Spirit that has come upon David is at work in David's Life. And I want to do that by looking at three quick words with you. With the Holy Spirit at work in David's life, the first thing that I want to see here is that David is in this season of preparation. And if you're taking notes on the back of your bulletin, you'll see that word there. The word is preparation. That God is preparing David from the time that he is in the sheep pen 
and preparing to move him to the palace. But this is the work of the Holy Spirit in David's life. And I imagine that David being a shepherd was out in the field and there were times where he was a shepherd and was busy. And then there were times where he was sitting and watching the sheep eat grass, but he had to be there watching them. And I imagine him sitting there with this uh, instrument, the lyre, and he was there and he was just playing and practicing it. But I wonder if he ever imagined that through the skill of playing this instrument that God was gonna use that as an avenue to move him to the palace, from the sheep field to the palace. And that, that the servant of Saul said, I know a guy and he is skillful in doing this. The servant also said about him, he's a man of valor. He's a man of great courage and he's brave. He's a man of valor and power. And I'll kind of steal this from next week's sermon text because I'm not preaching next week. But uh, David says about himself, when he's getting ready to fight Goliath, he says, um, when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb when I was a shepherd, I went after it. Okay, so uh, anybody wanna go wrestle a bear or attack a lion in primitive conditions with maybe just a staff and a spear or something like that? Well, David is saying, um, I'm not afraid of this situation because when I was young, when a lion or a bear came and attacked the flock and stole a sheep away, I wouldn't just say, oh, well, I guess we lost one. I'd go after it. And I'd, he said, he literally says, I would seize it and I would rescue the lamb from his mouth. And if the lion or the bear turned on me, I would rise up against it, seize it by the throat and kill it. And this is what he's telling Saul in the next uh, chapter and verses that we're not gonna look at today. So he's a man of valor. He's a man of war. He hadn't seen battle yet, but he was already described as a warrior. I wonder if that comes from having all his older brothers, okay, wrestling with their little brother without dad around, all right? He's a man of war, he's a warrior. And it says that he was prudent in speech. That means that he wasn't quick to speak, that he watched his words, he was wise, he thought about what he was gonna say, and he showed a lot of thought and care with the things that came out of his mouth, with the words that he spoke. It says that he was a man of good presence. That's what the servant said about David, that he was handsome, and people wanted to be around him. He was a man of good presence. You know, the Lord, the Holy Spirit is preparing him to be the next king. And this is how he was described. And so for you and for me today, okay, for the believer, the Holy Spirit is at work in your life too. And the Holy Spirit is preparing you and is developing you equipping you for all that God has called you today. And we see that David is being prepared for this next season of his life. And for the believer, for you and for me, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And this Holy Spirit is at work preparing you for what he's called you to do. So here's the thing, as you, you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, we, we shouldn't ever have to wonder or be confused about how the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. And we should know, we can know that whatever role or season of life we find ourselves in, that the Holy Spirit is preparing us for all that God has called us to do. The question isn't, is the Holy Spirit preparing me for what God has called me to do, but how? How is the Holy Spirit preparing me for all that he has called me to do and will equip me to do? So what might that look like for you and for me? Well, you and I have a lot of roles that we live out every single week. Some of us are fathers and mothers, 
husbands, wives, aunts, uncles, maybe we don't have any children of our own, but maybe we're a parental figure to people around us, sons, daughters, some of us are students in here, some of us are professionals and have different jobs and different careers. Uh, We are disciples of Jesus Christ, we're disciple makers, and that's what we're called to do, and the Holy Spirit is at work developing in you his character, the character of Christ, to accomplish his kingdom purposes and all that he desires to do in this world. So the question is, what role do you live out and play, and how is the Lord preparing you for what he's calling you to do next? And he is calling you to fulfill and live something out. You know, you and I, we share the same calling of being disciple makers, of being on mission, of loving the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we also have some unique callings that make you different from me. But the one thing we need to know is this, is that as followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is preparing us. And the question then is how? And are we aware of how the Holy Spirit is preparing us. The second thing I want to say, the second word is this, is it's reputation that with the Holy Spirit at work in David's life, preparing him to be the next king, that David has gained quite this reputation. And I know that that's kind of like a word that needs to be redeemed a little bit. And we're going to do that this morning because when we say the word reputation, we kind of think maybe in a little prideful sense, what other people's opinions are about you. And that might be a good reputation or a bad reputation. I'm not too sure. But David's reputation, it's interesting, points back to God. You see, the servant was describing David and said, he's all these things. He is, he's, he's brave, he's strong, he's a warrior, he's prudent in his speech. And one might just be able to stop there and say, wow, this guy is pretty awesome. But the servant ends by saying, and the Lord is with him. So we know from what we read in verse 13 that the spirit of God rushed upon him, was on him that day forward. And the servant says, this is what I know about him. The Lord is with him. And surely the servant was able to observe that and know that in contrast to the king saw who the spirit of the Lord had left. The spirit of the Lord, that's the reputation that David had gained for himself, that, the, that God was with him. That this is the reputation that he has, that the Lord is with him. Now, consider this progression really quick, okay? The spirit of the Lord comes upon David and the spirit of the Lord is preparing him. He's developed, the Spirit of the Lord is developing his skills and his character. He's not just prudent in speech because he doesn't like to talk, but there's this character development that's going on inside of him too. And that this leads to this reputation, but it's not just that a reputation that says that David is great, but this reputation says God is with David. That's what his reputation is pointing back to. It points back to the Lord. And then that God would move him then to a place of influence. Look at verse 19 with me. It says, therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David who is laden, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey. He put bread on it, put wine on it, and sent his son with a young goat to Saul. And verse 21 said, and David came to Saul. And look what it says, entered into his service and Saul loved him greatly. You see, God has put David into the palace through his skill of playing the liar, and Saul loved him, not necessarily yet knowing that he would replace him as king. And he didn't just remain a servant who played a liar, he became his armor bearer. He was in constant and close proximity to his king. That's the kind of influence and position that 
God gave to David through this preparation of the Holy Spirit. Now for you and for me, for the believer, what does this mean for us, okay? Well, it's real simple. We have a reputation. Our reputation isn't about us. It shouldn't be about us. And what people's opinions are about us or their ideas about us should, should point back to Christ in you. As followers of Jesus Christ, we call ourselves disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, okay? Our reputation should point back to our king, which is Jesus, King Jesus. Our reputation should be that when somebody would talk about us, that they may not necessarily know how to verbalize, but that they may actually say, and you know what? The Lord, God seems to be with this person, even though they don't maybe always grasp it, but that that's what others would say, that our reputation doesn't point back to us. Like our reputation isn't about self-glorification. It isn't about saying, look at me, look at my accomplishments, look what I've been able to do in life and look at all that I have done in me and it's about me and I, 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 but that our reputation is about glorifying God not self-glorification. The other thing is this, is that our reputation, it must be authentic. It must be from a real place. Our reputation should come from the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us, in our lives, developing this Christ-like character that we then live out for, what to, for others to see, that our reputation just, shouldn't just be this kind of fake thing that we give off so that others can kind of think highly or think well of us. But our reputation literally should come from the transformative work that the Holy Spirit is doing in the life of every single believer. That the world would see then how the Lord is transforming us and changing us and moving us into the image of that, of he that we follow, which is Jesus. And that's what it looks like to have a reputation from an authentic and a real place, not a reputation that we, wake up, we make up. Your reputation really is this, it's your testimony. It's the testimony that God is good in your life, that God has forgiven you, that God has redeemed you, he saved you, he loves you, and that he's transforming you from day to day until this life is complete that our reputation would point to Jesus. All right, lastly, last word. That with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit at work in David's life, we see this third word. The third word is service, that we see God growing David by putting him in a position of service. He is serving the king that he is going to one day replace. The verse 22 says this, it says, and Saul sent to, Je uh, to Jesse saying, let David remain in my service. For David, David, he has found favor in my sight. Saul says, I want to keep him. I want him to keep being my armor bearer. I want him to keep playing this instrument for me. I want him to live in my household. He says, and whenever the, it says, and whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hands. And so Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from Saul. Now, when I think of this instrument and I think of David in the field playing this instrument and practicing and now God has used this to move him into the palace and put him in a position to serve the king and kind of be in a position to learn to not be like the king. I just think about this instrument. And I want to show you this video of what this instrument may have been like. Watch this video.
imagine Saul going through these episodes of terror and losing his mind and all the servants go like this, get out the way. He's having one of those episodes. And who goes in? David. He steps in and he's there and he plays for Saul. And scripture says that when he played, that Saul was refreshed and he was well again. And the harmful spirit departed from him. But the, you saw right there this instrument, a very similar, very, very close to the instrument that David would have played at this time. But God definitely is growing David by putting him in a position of service. And could you consider this for a moment? Consider this, that David has a front row seat. It's sad. An up close and personal connection and perspective to what happens to a king that rejects God. God has put him there and it says, you're gonna serve this man, this king in decline who you will replace and remember always what happens when you would reject me, the Lord your God. And David has seen him go through decline. The scripture says that, that David he loved Saul greatly. And you, if you read the, the following chapters uh, before he becomes king, you see David exercising so much wisdom and care for him, even with his life in, in danger. You see him learning what it looks like for a king to reject the Lord. It's almost this direct lesson for him to learn so that when he is king, he can remember to serve the Lord. Now, what does this mean for us? You see, for the believer, the believers that are here, you have skills. You, you may not play the lyre, but God has equipped you with skills, with abilities, with personalities, with testimonies and stories of your life. You know, David, he, he served an imperfect king who at times wanted to kill him. You and I, you and I, as followers of Jesus, we serve a perfect king. And his name is Jesus. And he never lets us down. He never leaves us or forsakes us. And he says, all that I've given you and equipped you, serve, serve me. So we'll never replace our king because he's perfect in every way. And serving him the way that we serve him is this beautiful honor. So, you know, if you're here, I want you to know you do have skills that God wants to use. And God's developing the character of Christ in you and he wants to use that. He wants to lead you. Now, I, I have to finish here. So I want to just really quickly kind of do this 30,000 foot flyover of this message. And here, here's what God is doing. See, God's not just at work directly in David's life, but God is preparing. God is working to redeem all of mankind. And I want to do this by showing you this stained glass picture, okay? This is a, a piece of art, a piece of stained glass that is hanging in the Met, the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. And this stained glass dates back to uh, the late 1200s, pre-1300s, and this stained glass piece is called the Tree of Jesse. You don't know who the creator was. It's called the Tree of Jesse. It's in the, at the Met in New York City. And I want to show you this first uh, panel. It's the bottom panel of this painting. And this bottom panel here, and this is kind of like our, our flyover of what God is doing in this passage. You see Jesse, David's father, and he's reclined and he's asleep. And almost in a dream, like, you see this tree, this tree that's coming from his side. And I want to show you this next picture here. This next picture, directly above Jesse, 
um, is David. It's King David, and he's there playing his harp. And, and, and you can't see this, but just below David um, in the stained glass are two scribes or prophets, and they're writing down prophecy. And we know from the book of Isaiah, specifically 11, that uh, the prophet Isaiah has said that Jesus, the Christ, would come from the line of Jesse, from the stump of Jesse would come the root, which is Jesus, and that there was a prophecy that uh, Jesus Christ would be, the, that the ancestors of Jesus Christ would be Jesse and King David. And so you see God fulfilling prophecy of redeeming all of mankind. And the last panel here, there are four other panels, but the one I'm going to show you today is Jesus. And so in this piece of art, you see this story, the story of God redeeming mankind. You see Jesse, you see King David, which we've talked about today, how he's not yet king, but rising to be the king that God has chosen. And that God definitely then fulfills his prophecy of sending Jesus, Jesus to redeem all of mankind. So here's the thing. God definitely, through the Holy Spirit, is preparing He's preparing you and me for what he's called us to do. He's equipped us to do that through the Holy Spirit. Now, if we have a reputation, if we have a testimony, may it point back to Jesus constantly. May it point back to how good God is in our lives and that we've been redeemed. And then we live, we live in service to our King. And it's a beautiful place to be. It's a place of such blessing to be serving our King and letting him use all that we are in our lives for maximum impact and good for the kingdom of God that we would get to be a part of his plan to redeem all of mankind. So in that painting, you see Jesse, Saul, King David, the future king, all this, this short segment of history, but a part of God's plan to redeem all of mankind. And you and I now are living in this short segment of history and God desires to use us as his, his disciples to be redemptive agents in this world around us, to see those come to know him. That's why our pastors are in the Philippines. They're in the Philippines helping others be disciple makers because we're fulfilling this short segment in history of what God is doing to redeem, to redeem all of mankind. That's a 30,000 foot view and you and I play this part of it. So I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. A lot of different age groups in here, children, babies, elementary school kids all the way up, grandparents, professionals. What is God preparing for you for today? And what is he preparing for you for next? I want to just give you just a minute to pray, talk to the Lord, and then I'll close this out. Maybe you're here today and you say, I don't, I don't know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I've, I've never given him my life. I've never surrendered to him. And if that's you today, um, don't let another day pass. The Lord is calling you to give him your life. I'd love to talk to you at the end of today's service if that's you. Let's pray. God, we 
come before you and, and by our hands, Father, we, we give you the work of our hands. We give you our skills, our abilities, our talents, our time, our treasure, our personalities, the character that you're trying to develop in us, Father. We, we give all this to you, Lord, because you're preparing us through the Holy Spirit for all that you've called us to accomplish and do. Lord, if we find ourselves proficient in these areas already, Lord, then would you give us a heart and a burden to pour into those that are needing to develop. Lord, if, if you um, are uh, moving in our hearts and our lives, Father, um, to serve, to serve those around us, Lord, would you just uh, make that clear? Who, who do we serve and how? How do we help them? Lord, if you're calling us to consider our testimony and if our testimony doesn't point back to you, God, and, and only points to self, Lord, Lord, would you forgive us and, and help us to put you just on the throne of our hearts and our lives that when people would know us and interact with us, that they would say, um, and the Lord is with this person. Lord, this is what we surrender to you today, Lord. Lead us then by your spirit, by your will, to all that you desire to accomplish. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.